are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Friday, April 15th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Adam Scher, and we are here to break down the final two games in a not regular season or not postseason. I, I guess it is postseason, not playoffs. They, these games like don't exist in the in anything, so I don't really know what to call them any longer. Whatever. Doesn't matter. We've got basketball, and we've got playoff basketball coming tomorrow. Before we do anything, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live, and give a shout out to Prize Picks, the presenting sponsor of this show. Adam, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. What's going on? Yeah, I was thinking that when I saw the schedule that I feel like we just don't do strategy shows together anymore. But uh, no, ni- nice to be on one. I mean, nice to have basketball games that matter. Uh, it's so much more fun than the last month and a half of the season. It is. It really is. And it all kicks off tomorrow then for real, where we can get some legitimate high-end NBA basketball. I know that I can't wait. I live for this. So we got a lot to talk about, lots to break down. We can dig into each team pretty aggressively. I know we're going to have some thoughts in this first game, that's for sure. Um, How have the play-in games gone for you so far? Um, I actually don't remember. I think pretty well. Uh, I know last last game I did well. I won the thousand dollar on DraftKings. I tied for third in the 2k. Um, I don't remember what I did in the first one. Fair enough. That'll work. How's baseball? Uh, that's turning around won the 2k last night. So that was good. Um, I've had just better teams, better lineups the last few days. So started out really poorly, but that's turned around. Are you having better teams and lineups now because you decided to rank your lineups correctly? I think that's helped. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much that hurt the first few days because like, I wasn't actually using that metric directly, um, the one that I had set up wrong in my sheet. But yeah. like I was still using it, just not not the way that I know it would screw things up. Um, but then <laughs> I changed how I was doing things and then fixed the error. And uh, yeah, I think that has helped quite a bit. That should help. That should help. Well, let's talk some basketball here. I'm ready to go if you are. Yeah, I'm good. The Atlanta Hawks are two-point favorites in Cleveland, 223 total. This is a 730 start. For the Hawks, not too much that we have to worry about before it starts. No Lou Will, no John Collins, which is kind of a bummer. Hopefully he can get back for the first round if they make it on. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is questionable. I just assume that he is going to play. So let's start with the guy that's pulling the most ownership on both sites, FanDuel and DraftKings. For Atlanta, that is. That would be Trey Young. He's 10,500 on FanDuel, 9,700 on DK. I don't really have much to add here. He's going to play like 38-plus minutes, and he looks exceptional. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jared Allen coming back, and I don't I don't know what his, uh, what his minutes look like, but him being back obviously makes that defense a lot better. It's not as good a spot for Young as last game was, although Young wasn't great there either, but he shot like, 30% from the field and 14% from three. Um, but like on paper, you know, not as, as good a spot here, but the price tag also came down $900 on DraftKings. Yeah. He's going to play a ton of minutes. He's a fantasy point and a half per minute guy without John Collins. Even if you account for Cleveland being good defensively, um, you know, call it 1.4, 1.35, something like that. And 9,700, that's still going to look really good. Can you hear a vacuum in the background for me? No. Oh, well, that's really good because it, apparently my wife decided to start vacuuming at the moment we started the show. So that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's all I hear right now, but I guess I have the noise gate on my mic set perfectly. So it's not catching. Uh, that makes me happy. All righty. Here's the tricky part for me. And we have one guy that's pulling the ownership that stands out most, and that is Gallo. But I have a hard time separating the rest of Atlanta. Hunter, Herder, Bogdanovich, Gallo. Capella's price is pretty healthy at this point. Do you see anybody that stands out in that group above the rest? I agree with you that they're difficult to separate. I think Bogdanovich is the one that I prefer. I think the last game is a little bit misleading because he only played 24 minutes, but he didn't get his closing rotation. Like, right. I fully expect him to be in the closing lineup. Um, I think you were going to get like in a in a competitive game, I don't think he even comes off the floor necessarily um, in the fourth quarter. Like in the first half of of last game, he you know subbed in halfway through the first quarter. He played the halfway through the second, and then he went to the bench, came back, and closed out the second. 
in a competitive, and then in the the third, he subbed in halfway through. We played the halfway through the fourth, went to the bench, never came back. In a competitive game, I think, especially if it's like, yeah, I mean, if it's competitive, but especially if they're losing, I don't think he ever comes off the floor in the fourth quarter, and you can get to like 30, 32 minutes. So I do think that if you're just looking at the last game, it's a little bit misleading. I still expect him to be the second highest usage guy here. Um, Hunter took a million shots last game. I That's just not normally going to be the case. Right. Um, so I, I do like Bogdanovich. You got a little bit of a drop in Gallo's price tag. So that looks decent as well. Um, alternatively, DeAndre Hunter jumped $800. He's still certainly playable at 5,100. Like it's a two-game slate. He's going to play low to mid-30s in minutes. Um, same goes for Herter. But um, I, I think Bogdanovich and Gallo are the two I like the most. And then yeah. Hunter and Herter are a little behind them. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say there on Bogdanovich. I completely agree with you. He's the guy that stands out most to me. The price works, the position is obviously exceptional. And you were like, oh, he could play 30, 32 minutes. I have him in at 31, so that worked out perfectly. Like, I even split that difference. So I I agree with everything you said there. Here's one piece that I'm a little intrigued by. DeLon Wright, 3,500, played a little bit more than I was actually expecting him to. And, like, I realized the game ended in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect, but... It gave him, like, two and a half minutes. Right. Is there value there at 9% ownership? Because we also have a Kongwu at 3,300, just center eligible, projected for 26% ownership. Should those guys be that separated? What did you say Wright's was? Wright is at 9. A Kongwu is 26. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big gap. Like, obviously, Akongu is going to project better. If you say both guys play 16 minutes, you know, one of them is a good point-per-minute guy in Akongu, and one of them is a guy with an 8% usage rate in DeLon Wright. But yeah. that's still a pretty big gap when you're just talking about a one-game sample size. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're both they're, they're both value guys that I don't love just because it is the postseason, but that also, you know, given the slate and given the fact that it is the postseason and you're not going to get a lot of quality cheap players, they're going to be useful. Um, I do agree that Wright probably is a little bit under-owned relative to Okongwu, even though, you know, if you're just asking me which one I would play in like an optimal lineup, the answer is Okongwu. And what do we do with Capella? 7,700 on FanDuel, 7,200 on DraftKings. Had a monster day against Charlotte, just absolutely nuked them. 17 rebounds, five stocks. Feels like a little bit of a different front court here against Cleveland in comparison to uh, getting the Hornets. Uh, do you mind that price? That, it, to me, he feels, I don't want to say overpriced, but like that is where he should be. Yeah, I think it's correct. Um, I thought the last game was just a little bit different because obviously the matchup was much better against Charlotte. He was slightly cheaper. Uh, the plus side is that we did you know, kind of see the the rotation. I thought Capella was one of the bigger question marks in terms of how Atlanta was going to use him, you know, because in the regular season, you were pretty consistently getting around 30 minutes, give or take. And so that's what I expected last game. But there was always the chance that it was just like, oh, no, Capella is going to play 37 and Okongwu is going to play, you know, 11. We got basically 30 from Capella. He left like three minutes on the table in garbage time. So I think expecting 32, 33 from Capella, uh, 15, 16 from a Congo makes sense. There's still a very high ceiling, but it's just clearly not the, the same matchup. Um, one question for you related to the Okongwu and DeLon Wright piece. How many minutes are you giving TLC? I have them in for eight. Okay. And uh, that was the trickiest part to me. I don't even think I had him in the rotation for the first game. And then he very clearly was a part of the rotation. They went to uh, a nine-man rotation. Yeah, I so, assume that's what continues, but at the same time, like, I don't expect Trey Young to play 34 minutes. You know, like, I, I just assume that Young, Herder, Hunter, Bogdanovich, and Gallo to an extent could have all played 36 or more minutes, or at least some of those guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if DLC just lost a chunk of those minutes because this one's competitive and all of those other guys need more playing time. Right. So here's the thing. Last game, I'd gone back and forth. I don't remember where I ended up. I know at one point I had TLC at eight minutes, and then I think I just took them away and spread them out like you were just saying. But the thing that concerns me about last game, too, I don't think they intended on going to that rotation. Uh, Gallinari picked up his, I believe, third foul with 239 to go in the first. That's Mm -hmm. when Luau came back in. He played until Gallo came back in, went to the bench the rest of the half. Then he did play in the second half, which, you know, I don't really know why, but... um, I wouldn't be well, surprised if he just... the second half rotation makes more sense to me than the first half rotation. That's At least right. in the second half, you're like, oh, this game's over. Just get 
get, oh, a, oh, get yeah. a real person off the floor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I meant like um, I, I there, there wasn't like a specific reason I could look at. Like it looks like yeah. they just like chose to put TLC in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like the game was over. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised at all today if like barring foul trouble, if TLC doesn't step on the floor. The reason I asked though was like if you were confident he's playing twelve minutes, he's right in that Delon Wright category too, where it's just like can he beat a Kongwu? You know, one out of five times or something. Feel, feels more likely that TLC plays a rotation at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second. And if this game is competitive, he isn't playing that same rotation in the second yeah. half. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I think, uh, barring foul trouble, I would, I'm would i pretty confident on sub-10 minutes on TLC. Um, I would not need massive odds to take zero. And if he's playing 16 minutes, he's basically unplayable on DraftKings. <laughs> and it just kind of makes the rest of Atlanta look a little bit worse. Because he's terrible on a per minute basis. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we're on we're on the same page there. Where okay. I don't think TLC plays enough minutes to matter, and I'm not positive he plays minutes. Anything we're missing here? Like, should we? I, I, I guess Atlanta feels like a pretty easy team to talk about. Yeah, I mean, they're they're easy to talk about and kind of difficult at the same time because, like we had said before, it's kind of hard to parse through the Bogdanovich Gallo. Hunter Herter pieces like yeah. play the one that is going to shoot well. I mean, yeah, you know, one um, of those guys is going to get more minutes than the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it's easy in that, like, you know, Trey Young's clearly the priority. Then you get Capella and the wings that all look fine. And then you get two kind of shitty but underpriced value guys in a Kongwu and right. All righty. Well, we'll take a quick pause after talking about Atlanta to talk about what we've got going on here today. MLB strategy show coming up at 11 a.m. So immediately after this one, we've got the no house advantage NBA show at 2:30. MLB live before lock kicks off at 4:15. before we go to the NBA deeper dive at 5:30. NBA live before lock at 6:30. tons of free content today as well. NBA player rankings are free. MLB ownership rankings are free. NHL player projections and MMA fighter rankings. Lots of stuff going on. So make sure you're going to awesome.com checking it all out. Um, all right, let's talk about Cleveland. So biggest question mark here for Cleveland is whether or not we get Jared Allen. By all accounts, it seems like he is going to play. Jared Allen has a broken finger on his non-shooting hand. Left third finger so he broke his mid the middle finger just call it the middle finger what's third finger that's so stupid it's his middle finger he broke his middle finger on his left hand uh, by all accounts he should be able to do whatever he wants out there other than he elected to not have surgery because he didn't want like screws and shit in his hand so i don't know what this is going to be like but it's not going to stop him from running or doing anything or shooting so yeah like i think that we been... just get like normal jared allen right like he's still been conditioning and stuff right I mean, if you can't run because you broke your finger, uh, then they're not going to win to begin with. <laughs> right. So I think we get at the minimum 30 minutes out of Jared Allen here. If he's not playing today, uh, Cleveland's in way bigger trouble. So let's and so go ahead. Uh, yeah. And even thinking about it from like a, a risk standpoint in DFS, um, like this has to purely be a pain tolerance thing, right? Yep. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So like assuming that, one of the most competitive people in the world isn't going to voluntarily take himself out of a game because of pain. Um, he sh yeah, he probably should just be playing and assuming his finger doesn't like just get completely mangled or something. Well, the weirdest part to me is him not playing in the first game. What yeah. happens in a, when you break your middle finger on your non shooting hand, what happens between Friday and Wednesday or whatever the hell the dude, like he's yeah, been I mean, out for it weeks. Could, <laughs> it, it could have been just a team thing where, he was lobbying and they were just like, no, no, no. And then finally they're like, all right. Yeah. Like he hasn't played in a month. Yeah. Like those two days seem like really weird to me. It's not important really. And at 7,500, you're probably not playing a ton of Jared Allen to begin with on DraftKings. Who you are playing though, that would be Darius Garland. 8,700 on FanDuel, 8,500 on DraftKings. My question to you is this, and I know the prices are different, so bear with me on this question, but do you prefer Garland or Young? Well, it, I think it depends on the answer to this question. With Jared Allen back, now that they can't start Rondo, are you concerned that we get a 24-24 minute split between Garland and playoff Rondo? Look, here's okay, let's have the conversation now because I know chat's going to be bringing this up, right? We got <laughs> we got 26 minutes 
out of Rondo in game one. At this moment right now, I've got him in for eight. Where do you stand on Rondo today? Higher than that. Really? With Allen back. Are you asking? There was no, there was no reason for him to play 26 minutes last game. Like, and then the fact that they were thinking about starting him today, I don't think he's disappearing. Like, I think he's playing ahead of Okoro, Chetty, Stevens, at least a couple of those guys. So my assumption here, and the reason that I think it's different, I don't think they can play him in this game in the same way that they were able to play him against Charlotte. Uh, Because of the pick and roll and because of Trey Young, I don't know if Rondo can go out onto the... I, I think in eight minutes, they might be minus 20 and he'll never see the floor again. I just refuse to give Bickerstaff any credit at this point. The real, if they have Rondo and Kevin Love on the floor at the same time, this game is over. They're going to get roasted bad, 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 bad. So, what do you, all right, is Rondo, how much Rondo do you want to get to at 3,400? He's 13% owned right now. I mean, not much. I, I don't know what to do here because 3,400 is obviously cheap if Rondo is going to play into the teens. He shouldn't. And I agree with you that he could just get exposed here too. But like, I, I don't know what to do with him. Um, the fact that he's projected for thirteen percent ownership is a pretty big deal because I do, you know, I do think the the minutes are so volatile. Yeah. Can we talk about? Uh, and you already got to it. Garland was playing like shit. Darius Garland played thirty nine minutes and was thirteen of twenty four from the field. The only reason that game was remotely competitive was because Garland just absolutely took over. And had he not spent six or seven minutes on the bench in the first half, maybe it would have gone a little bit differently. Yeah. The only person that was bringing anything functional was Darius Garland. So uh, there's that. Yeah, you did watch a different game than us, Antoine. I promise you that. I don't think he's going to be able to be out there. I think defensively he is going to be a real problem. Uh, I wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't touch him. So how many minutes? The thing is, too, like you have to keep in mind, because normally when you talk about Rondo, it's from a DFS standpoint. It's in the context of he's still a really good fantasy producer, or at least a good fantasy producer. You have to keep in mind, too, if he does get those minutes, a lot of the extra minutes, again, unless Bickerstaff just loses his mind and plays Garland less minutes today than he does in the regular season. A lot of those minutes are coming alongside Garland. Yeah. That Maybe. Yeah. Takes, so Okoro. Yeah. So that takes Rondo's production down because he really should not have the ball in his hands much. He can't shoot. Um, this is, again, going back to why I don't know why or how Rondo plays. But, like, the reason Rondo is such a good fantasy producer when he gets those minutes is normally they're in place of Garland. So he's running point. He's doing everything. Um so it's, it's not only are you guessing on the minutes, but if you're giving him more than, say, eight or nine, then you're, those minutes have to be alongside Garland unless something bizarre happens. So, like, each one of those extra minutes, yeah, it's nice that you're getting extra minutes, but they're still also not very productive. So um, that's the other thing for me is, like, I actually, even if I give him 14, 15 minutes, he ends up not looking that great for me. So um, I, I think at, at current ownership, I don't think I'll be getting to, to, to Rondo. If that were to you know, come down a lot, then I'm willing to gamble. But Okay. I'm, I'm much more likely to get to Okoro. I think they're going to need Okoro on Trey Young because Trey Young is going to just spam pick and rolls over and over and over again. And I think Okoro is really the only option here. It's certainly not Rondo. It's definitely not Darius Garland. Um, Antoine Murphy said that all happened in the second half. Yeah, because Garland was sitting on the bench in the first half. Yeah. It's insane. I can't. I can't right now. Rondo's like a 37-year-old garbage basketball player. We, we got a playoff Rondo's years ago. His defensive talent is eight years ago. <laughs> like This dude's not good. Rondo only sucks in the regular season because he doesn't care. No, he sucks because he's old and not He good. sucks all the time. Right. Now. All the time. We got to stop thinking that this dude is like 20, perpetually 26. He had he blew out his knee for the Celtics in like 2009 or something dumb. Like it's forever ago. Oh, good god. All right. 
Garland or Trey Young? It, 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 as cheap as they are, it's still probably going to be kind of difficult to get the both. Um, I know. I think Garland just, I mean, $1,200 is a lot. Like w- one thing that I've noticed in the two previous play-in games from a roster construction standpoint is like I've ended up being really balanced. Like even last slate, um, I liked Trey Young a lot. I liked DeJounte Murray uh, a lot. Didn't get to much of either one. Like in 150 max, I think I had like 15% of each. I know uh, in like the 2K – my highest or my my most expensive guy was Ingram at 8,300. So like, I've just found that I've really preferred staying, um, staying in that, like, you know, below 9k range in a lot of lineups. So I think that that gap, even though young does look really good, I think that gap might just force me to a bit more Garland. I, sometimes I wonder like how people come to the conclusions they land on. Like Aaron Hines says, Garland was like one for nine to start the game. He was three for six in the first quarter. This, and, this information exists. And, and not, not to mention, like, if Darius Garland's not shooting well and the answer is to let Rajon Rondo shoot, Your you season's should never over. coach another game. Yes, yes. You don't get put on the bench for no reason. Like, you don't just take – let's just take – I've even said it before. Take Garland's name out of it. If I was just like, oh, LeBron James isn't playing well in the first quarter – we're going to put him on ice in the second quarter and figure it out with the ninth best guy on our basketball team. Everybody would think it was ridiculous. The reason right. that the Cavs are where they are is because Darius Garland is really good offensively. If he's, yeah. if it's not working, he's not the, he's not the guy you take off. You, you don't get put on the bench for no reason. The coach doesn't bench the best player for extended period of time. Hence Garland wasn't playing good. If Darius Garland got benched in a basically must win game because he wasn't, playing well through his first 12 minutes or whatever, you should never coach an NBA game again. Correct. Correct. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no other way to do it. He's you. If he can't get it done, this team's not getting it done. He's the linchpin to their entire offense. There's a reason that Kevin Durant had to play 48 minutes in a basketball game last year in the playoffs. You just play the shit out of the dudes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, what, and what this really comes down to is like, we obviously have disagreements on Rondo. I have no idea how many minutes he's going to play. Um, if you yeah. are watching this and you disagree and you think Rondo is a pivotal part of what the Cavs need to do tonight against Atlanta, absolutely play him at 3,400 in your DFS lineups. Like, yeah, you, like this, this is a spot where like, you know, I, I could be wrong. I can't believe I was wrong last game, but I was. Um, so yeah, like if you... Um, if you disagree, like play him and like, I also appreciate the money you're, you're donating, but like, yeah, you know, it's that, that's kind of the solution. Like if you disagree, just play him at 3,400 because that is a cheap price tag. If he, for some reason is going to play a lot. Yeah, if he plays 20 minutes, that's a, that price tag is way too cheap. <laughs> like if, if DeLon Wright's going to get ownership and a Kong going to get 25% ownership at 3,300, if you think Rondo's playing the same minutes or more than Okongwu, then you better be jamming that dude in because that's the price tag you're looking for. He's 4,500 on FanDuel. That sucks. The other part we're missing here with this whole playoff Rondo thing is he didn't even play well last game. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, four, he had four fouls in 27 minutes. Good for him. Oh, I hate Rondo so much. I legitimately do. Okay. How does Allen affect Mobley? Uh, less rebounding that goes for Markinen as well. Um, I mean, 6,800 for Mobley. I still like that price, but I would like it a hell of a lot more if Jared Allen wasn't playing. I think he might be my favorite guy on Cleveland on DK today. What? Besides Garland. Garland. No, no, besides Garland. Sorry. Oh, oh okay. besides Garland. Yeah, that, that, that's completely reasonable. Because he's $1,300 more expensive on FanDuel. I love the 6,800. I love that he's got the power forward eligibility. Like, I don't feel great about Levert right now. I certainly don't feel good about Markinen. I don't know what to make out of Allen, but his price is already where like it would be if you were here a lot. I don't think Kevin Love is long for this particular matchup. I think Mobley is my second best option here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah Garland, Garland's my clear one for Cleveland. Yeah, Gar- Garland is far, far and away one for me. Two is kind of a toss up between Mobley and Levert. I think I would give the slight edge to Mobley, I guess. 
I think it's really close. I mean, Levert probably plays more minutes if he can make a shot and then actually decides to shoot more of them. Like, that would be good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's really close between Mobley and Levert. What do we do with Chetty other than probably ignore him? I don't really know how you can go there unless you're just, you know, 150 lineups, two games late, like hoping to get lucky on minutes. But um, it is nice that like he's 2% owned and Rondo's 13. Uh, that So that is something worth pointing out. Lamar Stevens, 2%. Chetty, 2%. Rondo, 13%. Um, I don't know how this rotation is going to go. I know that down the stretch of the regular season, Lamar Stevens was the guy. I'm not convinced based on one game that Rajon Rondo has passed him in the rotation like every single time out. So um, I don't mind using one of those guys as a pivot, like being aware that chances are all three of those guys are going to suck. But, you know, at least you're playing a guy that's probably going to suck at low ownership instead of higher ownership. All righty. Is there anything else that we need to talk about for Cleveland? Um, Yeah. What are you doing with Kevin Love's minutes? I gave him 24. And this is mostly just based on the same sort of thought process I have for Rondo. And obviously this is assuming that Jared Allen is in. If for some reason Jared Allen's not playing, like Love has to just sort of play a little bit more by default, I think. Uh, I think this is a really bad. But that hadn't been the case until last game either. I think this is a really bad bad matchup for him. I think that if Rondo and Love are on the floor at the same time, Atlanta is going to score on every position down the floor. Uh, Trey Young is going to pick out that matchup. He's going to, put everybody in a pick and roll until he gets that matchup and he's going to score or dish off to someone. So I have a hard time seeing Kevin Love being able to be out there long enough without getting completely cooked. So I went 24. If he's nine and a half percent owned, I think he's a really good tournament play. I'll say, I think he might even play less than that, but um, agree on the ownership because the thing with Love is just that he can score in such a, like he's such a good point per minute guy. Um, And then, you know, there's, the thing you have to keep in mind too is that Cleveland doesn't really have perfect answers to some of these questions. So like if love is scoring well, there are times where Bickerstaff's just going to be like, all right, whatever, I'll take the points and, you know, just hope that we can outscore them. So um, I'm not confident in him at all. I, I do think his minutes come down um, one because Allen's back and two, I mean, we saw even with Allen out to close out the regular season, you weren't getting a lot of, of Kevin love. Um, he played you know, a, a lot last game, he was playing really, really well, but that also doesn't have to always be the case. Like he's an issue defensively. So um, at the same time though, like knowing that there is volatility in those minutes and that he's not getting much ownership, he does make some sense in tournaments. Chad counts that how many guys do you think Cleveland should play seven, eight, no more than eight, <laughs> <laughs> six. Um, yeah. yeah. Not more than eight. Um, yeah. If you kind of just count like a Coro, Rondo, Chetty, Lamar as one and yep. just assume none of them play a ton of minutes, then seven, but probably eight. The Okoro minutes are going to be the most interesting piece for me. It's hard for him to matter from a fantasy perspective, but I think they need him today against to try to slow down Trey Young. Fascinating yeah, he Cleveland he side score, here. So he's horrible at basketball. Exactly. Well, I mean, he is horrible at basketball. I, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I appreciate where you're going with it. Uh, unfortunately that is also true yeah <laughs> so it makes it tricky cleveland's cleveland's tough and the jared allen news is big but i assume he's playing uh, i at least i assume he's trying to play we'll see where that ends up anything else you want to talk about for cleveland um no i already mentioned that i just think you know like if you are going to cheat pieces um in tournaments if the ownership holds how it is right now just accepting that we don't really know. I don't know. You can lie to yourself in chat, but you don't know either what the rotation is going to look like between Acoro, Rondo, Chetty, Stevens. Uh, just playing the lower on one side of that group makes sense. Uh, I cannot wait. To, I'm excited to watch that game. I want to see. I want to see Rondo get abused. I want to see Kevin Love get abused. I just want all of that. The real bummer here is that Cleveland's not healthy. Yeah, I would. I'd like to see them at full strength. I, I think they're an interesting team moving forward. I could see them being a lot like last year's Knicks this year. Well, but they're gonna have LeBron next year. <laughs> All right, who are they trading? I don't know, but LeBron's gonna find some way to the Cavs in the next two years. It's gonna be Markinen and Kevin Love's expiring for Brown. Yeah. 
throw in Rondo. Why are you acting like a Coro is Gary Payton? I mean, he he is in comparison to Rondo and the rest of these guys. Prize picks. Presenting sponsor of this show. I should have grabbed the prize picks hat and put it on. If you use the promo code Awesomeo when you sign up at Prize Picks, you can get a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus. Really can't ask for much more there. Five player lineups can net you up to 10 times your entry fee. There's no sharks or optimizers or mass entry. Basically building parlay cards. That's what you're looking for. You could also get one free month of Awesome Plus Platinum when you sign up using the link in the description of this video and you make a deposit at Prize Picks, you'll receive an email within 24 to 48 hours to redeem that free month. I can't even right now. Oh my God. I can't read chat any longer. I'm going to have to close it. Adam, I'm going to hit you with a couple prize picks props right now. And uh, we've got a ton of fantasy scores up. And since we've talked about one game already, I'll hit you with a couple of these. And this is going to be, man, we're going to, we're going to hit a couple of these. Trey Young, over under 49 fantasy points. Over. Yeah, I agree. He scored like 47 on 30% shooting last game. I'm, I'm, look, I'm with you. I'm with I mean, you. Yes, the matchup's worse and all that. But yeah, over. All right, we're going to go to the Cleveland side now for another one. Darius Garland, over under 42 fantasy points. Over. Yeah. If Cleveland if Cleveland wins this game, that number better be over 42. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Is he on here? Uh, I was hoping Rondo would have been on there. I would have laughed my ass off. Evan Mobley, 33. That's close. Um, Interesting. I'll go, I'll go over. I have it way over. I mean, I have it a couple points over, but like compared to Young and Garland, it's close. I have Mobley as the biggest one here. How many minutes did you give Mobley? Uh, like 36. Okay, same. Yeah, I got him at 39 fantasy points. And then one more a guy I really love hating on. This is perfect. I won't have to take him. Karis LeVert, 32 fantasy points. Uh, that's like right where I have him. Yeah, 31 and a half for me, so I could ignore it. All right, guys, 385 people in here, 69 likes, which I would love to keep. That is nice, but please hit that like button. Helps us out a ton. Now we get to game number two, late night hammer, New Orleans Pelicans taking on the L.A. Clippers. I don't think we have too much up in the air here for this one. Uh, everybody that's normally available for the Pels is... Uh, Luke Kennard questionable for the Clippers. And then, I don't know, maybe we see Kawhi Leonard in game one. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to freak me out. Let's start on the Pelican side. Not a lot of like ownership or interest coming in. You know, Brandon Ingram's in the mid CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and Joval are all in like the low to mid thirties. Do you see one individual Pelican standing out to you? Brandon Ingram at 7,800. I agree. 8,200 on FanDuel also looks good. What'd you say? Let's talk about Ingram. I gave him 36 minutes. I, I know he didn't play that in the first game, but uh, with your season on the line, I think that if this game's competitive, Brandon Ingram's playing 36 minutes. I'm giving him more than that. Interesting. Okay. He was in, scares me a little bit. He was in huge foul trouble last game. Well, he was in huge foul trouble through the eyes of the Pelicans coaching staff. Fair. He played. Yeah, they 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 basically fouled out Ingram last game. Well, I'll like him even more if I give him more minutes. But even at 36, I think he's the best option for the Pelicans. But I don't think he's like as good of an option as I feel for Garland or Trey Young. Like to me, he's a step behind those guys. I actually wanted to. Yes, I mean, like I I think 36 is fair. I'll probably go 37, 38. Um, In the first half, he played 10 minutes in the first, subbed in with eight and a half to go in the second, sat the final five because he picked up his third foul. Um, And then in the third quarter, he picked up his fourth foul four minutes in sat the rest of the first played the whole fourth um if you assume he's playing six or like 18 19 minutes per half you're talking you know 36 to 38 so um yeah i i think ingram looks really good i didn't hear what you said after that i don't know nothing important i'm sure Joe Val is pulling the most ownership on dk at 8k do you think he's going to get back to that 36 minute range that we were seeing early yeah, um, he was one last slate, too, that I was really curious about. Same with Capella, where, but I thought there was a better chance it happened with Joe Val, and it did. Um, 
we had seen, you know, early in the year where Joe Val was just routinely playing 36, 37 minutes in competitive games. There was no real reason that I thought that wouldn't happen in the postseason unless Larry Nance just cut into it. But um, Nance can play alongside him as well. So uh, he, the, the fact that Joe Val did play 36 minutes in that game, I think that barring foul trouble, you're likely to get that again um, from a you know medium projection standpoint, standpoint, maybe like 34 or 35 makes a little more sense just because fouls do exist and he's a big, but yeah. I think you're getting a lot of minutes from Joe Val and he is very inexpensive. Interesting matchup here with giving more minutes to Joe Val or trying to like go small. If the Clippers then go yeah. small, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of 3d chess here in this one. Cause Ty Lue could very easily go ultra small. Do you go, yeah, do you then go Nance, to like a Nance Hayes? Yeah. Nance looks, yeah. Hmm. Based on the rotations last game, I do think I would not, particularly want Joe Val and Nance together. Agreed. Like, Agreed. I don't care that much because it's a two game slate, but, um, and also like, let's say Joe Val does play 32 minutes at 8k. He still looks good. Obviously not as good. Um, and then, you know, Nance is 3,400. So like, I don't think I'll set a rule just because it's a two game slate, but if you're playing like one lineup or two lineups, I wouldn't be going to Joe Val and Nance together. Hmm. Any, like, does CJ stand out to you? Does Herb Jones stand out? To me, they're just guys. Today. I mean, I do, I like McCollum at 8,900. The issue is that I don't like McCollum at 900 more than Joval or 12 or 1,100 more than, than Ingram. Like, yeah. I think 8,900 is a perfectly fine price tag for McCollum, but, like, he's also more expensive than Darius Garland. I don't, I don't know how we're doing that. Um, no, they're not even close to me. So... You know, like in, in tournaments, I guess I don't mind McCollum. You're just kind of paying up for what I assume is going to be relatively low ownership, but we still haven't projected for 30%. Um, if that holds, it's pretty tough for me to get there. Like if if McCollum's going to be 30%, Ingram's going to be 36 and Joval's going to be 39, I'm going to have a hell of a lot more of um, those last two than McCollum. Yep, uh, I agree. I To me, he looks like one of the most over-owned plays of the day, just in, especially in comparison to the guys that are around him from a salary perspective. To me, McCollum's in no man's land, so I, I don't really understand 8,900 at all. Like, and, yeah, I mean, I understand 8,900. I just don't understand it in the context of how everybody else on this slate is priced. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like I like. I think 8,900 makes a bit more sense if this is like an eight gamer. Well, and it, it's kind of like DraftKings, just like their you know algorithms spit out what everyone's price should be, and then they put in like a multiplier to like or whatever the opposite of a multiplier is to like cut 20% off. And it just like forgot CJ McCollum. Um, are they going to play uh, 10 guys again? So that was weird. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I had expected them to play nine and I Same. had expected the ninth to not play much, which I thought it would be Alvarado. It was Graham, but um the other weird thing is like Alvarado didn't even sub in until the start of the second quarter, but then he played more minutes than everybody off the bench, except for Trey Murphy, who I hadn't even anticipated to actually play. So I don't really know. Um, I do think we can take away that Devonte Graham is probably behind Alvarado. Which is nuts to me. That trade is looking worse and worse for the Pelicans. What trade? Getting Graham and him becoming useless. What'd they give up? some sort of pick and they didn't I, need I just, to do I what they did. Graham was in restricted free agency. They didn't need to do what they did. And now it turns out that he's going to be basically not a part of their playoff rotation. So no matter what you gave up, it was wrong at that point. It might've been a, a protected first. Oh, now I just need to know. Normally I have this in my brain, but there's just too much going on. Uh, Oh God, this is not the way to read it. Memphis traded to New Orleans. New Orleans traded Wessel Wundu Cash and a 2022 first round pick to the Charlotte Hornets. There we go. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Yeah, I don't I don't find the rest of this bench interesting. Like Trey Murphy is getting 18% ownership at 3,200 on DK. I don't feel comfortable there at all. Yeah, I mean, he played 22 minutes last game to Najee Marshall's 12. I think that you could potentially get those minutes reversed or, you know, evened out, like split down the middle. 
I, I guess my point is like I think Murphy at 3200 is is fine. Like he's no worse than the Okongwu, Delon Wright, Rajon Rondo, Lamar Stevens type guys. But I don't think there should be an 18 to three gap between Trey Murphy and Najee Marshall either, or for that matter, Devontae Graham. Yeah. This is insanity. Miguel McDonald, that trade wasn't bad. Graham played solid minutes. He's played himself clean out of the rotation in a, a, the elimination games. Yeah, he <laughs> what played. What are we talking about? There's a, he played seven minutes in a game Graham that mattered to them. <laughs> they gave up a first-round draft pick for a guy that's potentially not going to play today. I mean, what are we doing here? I just – back to what you were saying earlier, like – if you're going to disagree or argue, like, whatever, that's fine. But stop making shit up. Like, at least yeah. be right. Right. Oh, my God. So, by trading for CJ McCollum, they were just like, whew, can't play the guy that we thought was going to be our starting point guard any longer. <laughs> to trade a first-round draft pick for a guy that, in a year, plays himself basically out of your playoff rotation is an unmitigated disaster. There's no other take. This isn't even like my personal take. I like Devontae Graham. I like the idea of him being like a space setter for, well, what I thought was going to be Zion. Whoopsie-daisy on that one. God, I want him to come back. Oh, my God. Well, I don't like the Pelicans today, but luckily for us, I don't really like a ton from the Clippers other than Paul George and Reggie Jackson. They are the two clear top plays for me. I don't know what's going on with Reggie Jackson's price tags, but it's like FanDuel and DraftKings don't know how many minutes he's going to play. He's 5,700 on FanDuel, 6,100 on DraftKings, and to me, very easily the best play of the day. Absolutely absurd price tags. Um, Yeah, like, barring injury, foul trouble, blowout, but, like, that shouldn't even be a problem unless it's, like, the Clippers winning by a million. I don't know how Jackson plays less than 38 to 40 minutes here. Yep. I gave him 38, and I feel like that's probably low. I would like I would take the over there. Yeah, so would I. So would I. I mean, he played 42 two days ago. He was playing regular high 30s for a while. He's playing 38 minutes at a minimum, and at that price tag, I mean, he basically like I, I don't even know how he fails. This is a guy with a 28-ish percent usage rate in games where Paul George starts. It's not like he starts not shooting. He looks yeah, great. He's like a 0.9 fantasy point per minute guy uh, in yeah. the games he's played with George this year. Love, love him. Also love Paul George. 10-2 on FanDuel, 10K on DraftKings. I mean, does he have the highest ceiling of anybody on the slate? It's either him or Trey, right? Yeah, it's either him or Trey. Um, yeah, my, my, my only issue with George is kind of the same thing that I was saying before with, with Trey. I think he looks really good at that price point. It's just that you have such a strong mid-range because they wildly underpriced guys like Ingram and Garland um, that, you know, maybe may, maybe it's – I could see where I end up kind of doing the same thing I did last slate where um, you get a ton of ownership going to guys like George and Trey, which is fine. But that also means you're getting more ownership to these $3,300 guys. And I can beat that as long as Euro Kongwu type guys don't score more than like 14, 15 fantasy points. Like as long as they do what Montrez Harrell and Mason Plumlee did last slate, um, you're in a really good spot if you have the Ingram, Garland, Joval type guys. Who's the best clipper that isn't Paul George or Reggie Jackson today? Because I have an answer, but I feel like I'm a little bit more alone. It's either Zubats or Powell. Interesting. I like Marcus Morris a lot today, particularly at 21% ownership. Yeah, that's fine. I'm surprised he's as low owned as he is in comparison. You know, he played 31 minutes, I believe, 30 and a half uh, in the first one. As these games go, I think we get more Marcus Morris, not less Marcus Morris, especially if we don't have Luke Kennard. Not that like those guys are one-to-one swaps or anything, but they just consolidate in a different way. So I'm a little intrigued in by Marcus Morris in playoff matchups. I don't think I haven't projected all that well. 0.76 fantasy points per minute. I mean, that's it's not very good. And to me, he still grades out pretty well. Zubots looks good. This feels like a spot where he plays more. It's either Zubots plays more or barely plays at all because they go to a Marcus Morris at the five type scenario. Yeah, I was going to say, I hadn't looked at the Clippers rotation yet when we were talking about the Pels. Hart, with Hartenstein not playing at all in the second half of that game, um, I'm kind of a little more concerned about Joe Val. 
Wait, what? With Hartenstein not having played at all in the second half behind Zubats, like the fact that the Clippers already were running small lineups, it makes me a little bit more concerned about Jovo. Oh, so you're you're thinking that they might have to go small to match yeah, the Clippers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I felt like you were like trying to say Zubats, but we're saying Joval. No, and I wasn't I wasn't following the the step there. No, no, I, I hadn't actually looked at the Clippers rotation from the last game. I just assumed that they had drawn like a normal their normal rotation. So um and so my thinking when we talked about Joval was like you you easily could see the Clippers go small, but I don't know if Lou, you know, how much Lou will do that. The fact that yeah. he already did it for substantial parts of the last game um, makes me think it's more likely to happen. And then it's just a matter of does Joe Val stay out there or not? Right. So you mentioned Powell before, 5,900 on FanDuel, 5,300 on DraftKings. What's standing out there for you? I just think he keeps getting more minutes. Um, okay. He had played 22 in his first game back. Then they said that his minutes restriction was going to be eased. He played 22 again because who knows why. Um, but then in the last game, he played 20, basically 27 minutes. He closed each half. He's somebody that I think should be on the floor a lot for this team. And he's only 5,300. Um, like, yeah, he's going to take a hit in terms of usage playing alongside Paul George, but he still had a 22% usage rate last game. I expect the offense basically entirely to be Paul George, Norman Powell, and Reggie Jackson in terms of, of usage. So um, I still think he's just a bit underpriced for what I expect to be increasing minutes. Do Okay, let's say you think his minutes are increasing. If Luke Kennard plays in this game, where are they coming from? Uh, Terrence Mann. Okay. Batum. Covington. <laughs> like, I think Powell's better than basically everybody on this team except Paul George. And If Kennard plays, I have a hard time thinking Norm Powell plays more than 26 minutes. I don't think, I just don't think Kennard takes minutes from Powell. I just, I don't know if there's enough minutes. Like, you basically just have to, you have to wipe Hartenstein, wipe man. I, I feel like the Clippers, the Clippers and the Hawks have a lot in common in that they have a lot of interchangeable wing parts. But I just feel way more confident that the Atlanta guys are all going to get a lot and not like potentially played clean off the floor. Like, what are you, how many minutes are you giving, pal? 28. Wow. Really? Okay. See, we're in different spots here. So you think he, do you have him as under owned at 28 minutes? I mean, I haven't run that stuff yet. Assuming so though, we've got him at like um, 16% ownership. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence there. Wouldn't be surprised if he kept playing. Like, I mean, I think Norm Powell's really good. I think they are inundated with bodies. I, I like, just, I hadn't looked at chat for a while, and now I'm just completely like losing my mind. It's in, it's incredible. I'd love to know who this uh, best PA team in history is, given that I lived the first 25 years of my life in Pennsylvania. Well, Josh, if you were on it, you would know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I saw a lot of really good basketball in the state of Pennsylvania. You probably watched this guy. I don't. I, I watched a lot of NBA players play. Your Kobe Bryant's, Gerald Henderson's, Wayne Ellington's, Michael Beasley, which doesn't age as well. Went to my high school for a year. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and. All right, so let's see, Chester. So. How far back? Who would have been there? She went to Stow Rocks, right? No, I'm not going to be able to remember any of this. I need like eight years ago, me. I've smoked away all my memories of catching high school basketball games and remembering who was out there. Classics like Jerry McNamara. It's a good time. Okay, Jameer. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you weren't the best high school team then in the state of Pennsylvania. In my experience, first round draft pick till he blew out his knee, Josh. First round draft pick. Yeah, I'm sure he yeah. was. Wait, did he say that? No, I'm just assuming that he was. Okay. You know, an injury <laughs> that that gruesome on the best basketball team in PA, like it had to be a first round pick, and something went wrong. Yeah, Pennsylvania loaded, loaded from it's a legend standpoint. Well, sure. 
Sure. I'll take my county versus your entire state. I love it. Do we have anything else we should talk about here for the Clippers? Um, no, I mean, I think they're kind of, to me, they're kind of like the Hawks. Um, you know, you have George and Jackson that stand out, and then you have Zubats, Powell, Morris, Batum that are all pretty difficult relative to price to, you know, choose between. Like, I have my preferences, but I'm not, I'm not super confident in those. Uh, same with the Hawks. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's kind of similar. Uh, pay, pay attention to ownership between those wings because, like, even for me, like, we just, you know, had that really long conversation on Powell um, where, you know, I believe one thing, you believe something else. Ownership's still going to dictate what I do because it's all, they're all going to project so close together relative to price that um, what I personally think is going to happen is less important to me than like putting myself in a position to where if the field is wrong, I can maximize what I make. All righty. Who is the best play on this slate? Darius Garland. Okay. Or Reggie Jackson. Or Brandon Ingram. <laughs> Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, somebody in chat said, can you win without playing Trey Young? Uh, yes. So, and this is without the obvious answer of like if Trey Young plays poorly. Um, but I, I kind of mentioned it a couple of times during the show. The way that you beat, and I'm not saying that like you shouldn't play Trey Young or anything. Like I haven't built lineups. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I don't know what I'm doing yet. But the way you beat the Trey Young, Paul George teams, assuming they have those games where they go for like 53, is that all of the Akongwu, Alvarado, Wright, Murphy, like all of those pieces play, you know, 15 minutes, score 12 to 16 DraftKings points, and then you get, you know, 48 from Ingram and 48 from Garland, something like that, where they, they can lose to Young and George. But as long as the really cheap guys that allowed people to get to Young and George uh, score like 15, 16 DraftKings points, you have a chance. So, um, again, not saying not to play Young, not to play George. I think they're both very, very good plays. But to answer the question of can you win without them, you know, even assuming that they do kind of what they're supposed to, I still think the answer is yes. It just really comes down to how do the cheap value plays do. Alrighty, folks, that will do it. Another one in the books. Good luck tonight. Make sure you're watching MLB Live Before Lock after this. Make sure you're watching NBA Deeper Dive and NBA Live Before Lock later tonight. Thank you once again to Prize Picks for being the presenting sponsor of this show. Hit that thumbs up on your way out the door. Good luck. Enjoy it. Playoff basketball back tomorrow. We're out of here. Peace.